He says, what is Christianity anyhow? And I said to him, Christianity is, is, is a living, working relationship with God through Christ empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's a living, working thing. It's not something that you do, an insurance plan that you stamp, and now that's taken care of. It's an ongoing, living, working thing, working relationship with God through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, and uh, uh, every one of us has been given, in Corinthians 5.18, it says we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Now, in the Old Testament, they didn't have this capability. But now that we have the indwelling spirit by faith, the third member of the Holy Trinity living inside us, we've been given a ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? That means we can be a life-giving conduit and connect people to the grace of God where they come from darkness and they find eternal life. They find a life that they never knew existed because we're ministers of grace. And so we're all called to do that, not just preachers. Everybody's been called to preach. It says in Mark 16, 20, in some dimension anyhow, then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his words, uh, word by the signs that accompanied it. You know, and so... We all have this ability to share the gospel and share the life of Christ within us. You know, I was at a, the re, re, uh, recent Link Lead Pastors Conference and I uh, was talking to one young man who's doing a church in New York and his wife and he are doing two campuses in New York. And uh, I said, so are you doing video? And he says, no. He says, I, I preach at one. My wife preaches at the other one. And then the next week, my wife preaches at this one, and I go preach at the other one. So I turned to his wife, who looks like she's probably around 28, 30 years old, and a sharp gal, but just looks like any one of us. And I just said to her, I said, so, you can preach. And she said, honey, which I found funny because I'm kind of old to call honey. <laughs> but then I realized she was from Tennessee, so everybody's a honey down there. She says, honey. She says, I'm from the hills of Tennessee, and I grew up Pentecostal. Everybody preaches. <laughs> Everybody can preach. And you want to know what? That's the thing about the Holy Spirit. You know, I got saved, but I got filled with the Holy Spirit in a little hillbilly Pentecostal church in downtown Grand Rapids, singing I'll Fly Away and all old stuff, but it was packed full of college students because there was some life in that joint. And I'm going to tell you, Everybody could preach. Everybody could prophesy. Everybody could lay hands on. Why they were told that that's what we're supposed to be and that's what we're supposed to do. I realize some people can get up in front of an audience and really break it down, but we all have this ability to let the life that's in us out of us. Men, women, children, it doesn't matter. And so we've been called ministers of reconciliation and we're stewards of the grace of God. In 2 Corinthians 6, 1 says, As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. What does that mean? To receive all the benefits of the gospel, but not let it change us into able ministers. There's only two things that matter in the Christian life. What he's called us to become. It says, as many as he foreknew, Romans 8, 29, he says he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. God wants to make you and me just like Jesus. First legally by washing us clean with his blood, and then in experientially as he deals and works with us over life, we become in actuality what we already legally are. And then 
It's one thing what we're becoming. The other thing is there's a life mission for each one of us. And that's Ephesians 2, verse 10. It says, we're his workmanship, created for good works that God predetermined beforehand for you and me to walk in. And so that means there's a whole path of good works, a plan that he has for each one of us, our lives, that he pre-planned out. And so the only things that really matter is our life's mission, what we've been called to do, and what we become in the process. You can hang everything on that. You know, my mom was a little bit of a control freak. Awesome mom. But, you know, your, your mom's a control freak when she's dying and tells you what you're going to preach at her funeral. <laughs> she says, son, you know, I'm dying of cancer, and she's quite old, and she was, she says, I, I, you're going to preach at my funeral. There's several of them, her sons are preaching, but says, you're preaching it. Thank you, Mom. And this is what you're going to preach on. And she gives me a verse. You know what it was? The verse was when David had accomplished his mission for God in his generation, he fell asleep. He was buried. <laughs> she says, I fought the fight. I've accomplished my mission. I raised some men of God. I carried the flame of his torch. My time is over. That's what I want you to preach. And here's the thing. There's something for each one of us to do. It's a predetermined workload that the Holy Spirit sees for us. Now, to engage in that means a whole new level of living, a whole level of living that sometimes we, we forget. Um, you know, probably three or four, about four years ago, um, which is why we changed our, our, our name, it actually led to. Sometimes uh, when you do something so different uh, with vision and everything else just to own it. We, we've changed our name, but obviously we are so tight, tight in. I don't care if we're Res Life City Church, anything like that. Me and Dwayne are tighter than we've ever been together. But I got such a powerful word at the, at the head of about maybe four years ago where God spoke to me, you know, in my spirit as I was studying, saying, okay, God, what do you have for our church this year? And this is kind of what he said. He said, you got a big old church with tons of people coming to it, and you're sitting, you're preaching, and you're waiting for people to come to your ch to, to church, and then you're preaching to them, and a bunch of people get saved, and that's all good. But he said, that's not good enough for me. He says, I need you to go outside the church, and I want you to go out and find every lost person you can possibly find. I want you to go to dirty holes and places nobody goes, and I want you to get your hands dirty. I want you to work and labor and scratch every corner you can and bring everybody in here. And that devotion I was reading was how the master uh, of, a, of a huge household, a king, had a big wedding feast, and he invited all the guests, but a lot of them made excuses and couldn't come, and he told his servant, he says, go out and get everybody anybody that's around and just bring them all here and so he did that but there was still room he says i want you to find sick people the halt the blame the blind anybody you can find and drag them into this place so this place can be full and i just felt the holy spirit saying i want you to go inside out doug i want to make your inside your outsides i want you to take everything that's going on inside the place and turn it out so there's an outward reflection of everything that's going on inside and so we began to do it. We began to go to Greenville and Cedar Springs and different cities around us and say, go to the Chamber of Commerce and say, city leaders, and say, give us five things that nobody in this city will do. If it's scraping graffiti off or cleaning up a mobile home park, I don't care. Give us five things that are gross areas in need that nobody's getting done, nobody's to do, and there's no money to do it. We're going to do it. And so you know what? 
They gave us a list, and we went and we knocked it down. And then the process started getting a chance to share the gospel and began to pray with people and began to minister to people and started seeing people get saved outside the church and brought them saved to church. Went to places, started things in the jails, crazy things. And now we got a whole bunch of guys Skyping with guys and it's created a huge celebrate recovery with our own little Holy Spirit tweak on it outside so when they get out they got somewhere to go but we just started going crazy like that and I've seen and we've seen God turn us inside out and found a a new level of God's grace uh, in an amazing way that I could go on and on about but so I want to say this I want to challenge today uh, to go to a whole new level of being connected with God in our life's mission 24-7 Twenty-four seven, never operating independently of God. The big challenge to do that is not to be self-centered. And I, over the last number of years, I just I didn't realize how self-centered, of course, I was, and we all are, uh, and and how we have to force ourselves outside our comfort zone. We have to look at God and see people. And I didn't realize. I started realizing, okay, if I'm going to do this. I got to start to look at people. I have to start thinking about people. When I go out into the world, I got to see people and I got to see need and I got to be looking for it. You know, I'm a deer hunter. I'm an outdoorsman. I'm a hunter, fisherman guy, like maybe a number of you are. Your pastor, uh, yeah, he needs deliverance. And uh, he doesn't. But you know what? What's funny is when I drive down the road, I don't care what time of year it is, I'm always aware of the tree line feeding points, wind directions, crops, things, crossing points. Why? I'm just very aware of that world. I walk through a woods, I see something different than what a lot of other people might see. I can just read it. I'm just aware of it. I'm not even focused on it. It's just there. And I I remember praying, God, give me such an awareness of kingdom when I'm out with people out in the world relating to them that I'm feeling what they feel and I see what they see. And I realize that you have made me a minister of reconciliation. And I'm not just going to preach in the pulpit anymore. I'm going to minister out in the marketplace wherever I go. In fact, I made up my mind I'm going to start praying for somebody every day. I'm going to find a person outside my place and pray for someone every day. I haven't done every day, but I've made that a goal. And I tell you what, it changed my life. It made me, when I leave the house, be aware of people and their needs. And suddenly, my whole life began to change. And I've experienced a lot of stuff over the last number of years, but I'm telling you what, you want an exciting storyline to your and my life? Get up every morning and say, Holy Spirit, I'm a minister of reconciliation. I'm a product of your grace, and I want to be a catalyst of your grace. So today is yours. Use me any way you want, and whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. Your life will get very exciting, and you will get scared, and stuff will happen to you, and even feel like you're out of control. But I want to tell you what, instead of living a gray, mundane life, you will live an extremely exciting life. The big challenge, number one, don't be self-centered. You know... When we focus on our personal universe, we miss it. My son Carter is 11. My son Carter thinks that I'm orbiting his universe. My dad shall supply all my needs according to his riches in his checkbook. He says, by 
speaking and request, I make my supplications and requests known to my dad. And if I stand on it and confess it enough times and badger him enough, in the name of my father, he will provide it for me. Dad this, dad this. And so I'm his source. And he thinks that I'm a big bellhop orbiting his universe. And you know what? I love that to some degree because I want to have him have a healthy idea of his heavenly father. But how many of you know if I was nothing but a big old orbiting bus boy, he would become a spoiled brat? And he is. And um, uh, no, 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 he's growing up. Uh, but, but here's the thing. We, 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 sometimes we view, we view because of the way our nature is, we come to God with that he's some divine bellhop that's just orbiting our universe to supply our every need, waiting on what Doug wants or needs next. And if I shuck a few prayer requests and some confessions and pull that slot machine, out comes the answer. But unfortunately, sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is not yet. Sometimes it's wait. Sometimes it's no. Kid, you'll shoot your eye out. You, you get the point. But here's the thing. God answers every prayer. But see, see, the great equalizer is, is when we make our requests known, we throw ourselves on our Heavenly Father in faith, he will supply all our needs. We will learn all this. But all this stuff works much better when we're orbiting his universe. Otherwise, he'd just be a big divine bellhop waiting on us hands and foot, but he's the immortal, invisible king of creation who's raising up children into men and to women just like him who are selfless, who are aware of him and aware of a lost world and are conduits of his grace. So the big challenge, don't be self-centered or focus on our personal universe. And it says now this, the identifying mark to all this is being led every day all the time by the Spirit of God, Romans 8, 14, for all who are led are by the Spirit, they're the sons of God. That is the defining mark. And it says this, Galatians 5, 25, if we live in the Spirit, let's also keep in step with the Spirit. That means every day the Holy Spirit's got a plan for us of how he's going to use us. And if we're open to that plan and stay in step with it, you're in my life, will get very fruitful and very exciting. Also, Galatians 5, 16, if I, if I say walk in the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He says walk in the Spirit. Here's the thing. A lot of us believe in a, a, a behavior modification. I'm saved, so i got to be good now. So we say, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this, and I'm good. I'm saved, and I'm doing that. But that's just a miserable way to live because sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Once in a while, you whip it. Sometimes you don't. But you're, it's always about you always about how you are and how you're behaving when he's saying, look, I set you free from all that. You're forgiven for all that. Put it behind you, but now the key to keeping it behind you and being totally free is to keep in step with my Holy Spirit all day. Just walk in the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, and you'll find yourself not dealing with any of that. So if every day our focus is following the Holy Spirit, a lot of the stuff that we looked at and engaged in and tried to punch it out and it punched us back just goes away. Because this hunger for God, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and the direction of the Holy Spirit just doesn't leave room for that. And I'll explain more of that later. It's the key to being free. Now, the Holy Spirit, if we decide to start living this way more than we ever have before, he'll lead you and I to do things outside our comfort zone. And that's when things start getting crazy. Can you see little Ananias? 
He's having his quiet time in the morning, praying, having his devotions. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, there's a guy named Saul down on Straight Street. You know that guy that's killing all the Christians? I knocked him off his horse. He's blinder than a bat. You're going to go heal him, and he's going to be healed. You go, I know. He says, I've never healed anybody. He says, then he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he's going to be this great apostle guy. And Ananias goes, no, 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 not, not so fast. He says, first of all, this guy kills people. God says, it's fine. You'll be just fine. He's going to be a tremendous instrument of my grace. I've changed everything. Now, you understand, he couldn't read that in Ephesians. He couldn't read that in Galatians or in Mark. There was no Galatians. There was no Ephesians. There was no Mark. There was no Bible. Just the Holy Spirit. How did these guys turn the world upside down? Now, in the end of the age, we got double thing because we have the written word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit to renew our minds and the indwelling Holy Spirit working together as one to make us some powerhouses. But that's what they had back then. And so Ananias loses the argument. (laughs) And he goes to Straight Street, and the rest is history. And you know what happened? A divine connection just following the Holy Spirit simply one morning put him in the big book, and a preacher is talking about him in Big Rapids 2,000 years later. The next time you follow the Holy Spirit, what is it connecting you to? What's it doing to your world of influence? How is it weaving your and my life into the master plane? All he did was pray for some goofed up guy. And he ended up in the big book. And God has a plan for your life. And you're not any different than Ananias, except you've got the written word as well as the living word. Oh, So you see, the Holy Spirit will lead us every day to do things a lot of times outside our comfort zone. That means outside of self-centeredness. Oh, and it can be very uncomfortable. I'll tell you a personal story in a minute, but, you know, Peter's lying up on a rooftop. All of a sudden, he has a God moment. Woo! Sheet comes down, full of everything a Jew can't eat. He says, kill and eat. And he goes, not so. Peter's the only guy I know that when God says do something, he goes, nah, I don't think so. (laughs) Had his foot shoved halfway down his throat most of his life until he got filled with the Holy Spirit. Three times it happened. And then Peter's, and then finally the voice says, don't call what I've cleansed common. So what does he do? He wonders about it all. I'm giving you the quick version, my version. Acts 10, 9 through 21. Maybe I'll post my notes online so you can read them. But anyhow, it it, it says he wondered what it meant. And then suddenly the Holy Spirit says, three guys are downstairs knocking on the door. Go with them. Knock, knock, knock. And he hears that going on and he ends up doing it. Here's what I think he's wondering. The voice and the leading didn't explain itself. It showed him something. It gave him some guidance. And then it says some guys are coming. Go with them. But it didn't tell him everything. It didn't tell him what it all meant. didn't tell him what together. Have you ever felt the Holy Spirit guide you in a certain direction, but there, there's lots of blanks that are left? You know what? He wants you to use your God-given mind and intellect to fill in those blanks and trust that he's leading. That's how God works with us. We're not puppets. And so we see that Peter, he went down and he answered the thing. He says, why did you guys show up? Why have you come? Verse 21. He won't tell you everything, but he'll lead and guide you in such a way that you and I 
working with God can fill in the blanks and figure it out. So anyhow, we see a tremendous orchestration of the Holy Spirit as the gospel literally is brought to the Gentile world. And the whole world is opened up for the gospel instead of just the commonwealth of Israel. All through this one moment, from a man who heard the Holy Spirit and cooperated with him and then used his mind to figure out the rest of the stuff, sees the Holy Spirit fall on Cornelius and his household and amazing results. And again, Peter, in the big book, and the preacher's talking about him 2,000 years later. And you and I are those Gentiles he was talking about. We've now been included in the commonwealth of, of Israel and Abraham is our father by faith. All because... That door was opened on that rooftop with that one apostolic man as God opened it up to the whole world. And so here's the thing. Oh, you and I, we got to push past self-centeredness and see and say, God, I'm orbiting your universe today. Today, I'm your man, your woman. Show me what to do, and I'll do it. I'm listening for your voice. Help me see people through your eyes, and he's going to lead us outside our comfort zone. My next point is this. Don't go by your feelings. We must divorce the leading of the Holy Spirit from our feelings because if we wait till we feel like it, we won't accomplish 90% of everything the Holy Spirit wants us to do because it's not about feelings. It's about obeying the voice of the inner unction of the Holy Spirit in us because most of the time your flesh just isn't going to feel like doing what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. You're not going to feel like it. You're not feeling it. But you don't get up in the morning and it's time to go to work, but I'm not feeling it. You got to go to work. The kids got to go to school. You got to make supper. You got to get up. You got to go. Most of the, a lot of the stuff we do, we don't feel like it. But even in the natural world, we know we can't rely on that. How much more the invisible rule and reign of the Holy Spirit over our hearts? we got to realize it. we must be divorced from our feelings and say, I live in a sensual world, time, space, and matter, three-dimensional, but there's a fourth dimension. It's the Holy Spirit's rule and reign on the invisible throne of our heart. And we got to listen to that, and feelings are not related to it. You can get some real moments but those are few and far between. Please understand that. You know, a while back I was, I bought a trolling motor for my brother. My brother John Bergsman has a fishing show. He won in Fisherman some years back, the world championship, and he has this show, and he always has some good paraphernalia, so I wanted to buy a new spot lock trolling motor for my boat. And so I called John and says, you got one? He says, oh, yeah, some company sent me one. It's in my barn. I'll sell it to you for 1000 bucks." great brother <laughs> they are 2,000 though so you know so bottom line he says I tell you what I says well it's a long ways into town lots of construction he says well I gotta go north sometimes I got a fishing show in Cadillac he says I'll drop it I'll, I'll, I'll drop it off at your office I'll be there at such and such a time I said oh that's cool so I wait in my office that morning I'm busy I got appointments but I squeeze it in I sit there and wait for him and and uh, he doesn't show up. I wait a little longer. I'm going, I'm a busy guy. You know, I'm not that important, but I'm somewhat important. 
finally he comes lollygagging in. Oh, I'm sorry. He comes limping into my office, you know, and, and uh, you know, looking kind of beat up and, and uh, feeling funky. But he said, uh, sorry, I'm late. The sun was in my eyes and all the other things you could think of. And, and I semi-forgave him, but he's my brother, you know, irritating me, charging me $1,000 for a trolling motor. So I wrote him a check and paid him. He goes out only to see that he forgot the foot controller for the trolling motor. So you can't use the dumb trolling motor. So now I gave him a 1000 bucks. I don't have the thing, and I can't use it. And he apologizes in sackcloth. And says, oh, I'm so sorry. I says, well, i got to drive into town now all the way and get this trolling motor thing. And he goes, yeah. He says, here's the deal. I'm going to set it right outside my door, and tomorrow morning, when you come there, it'll be there. I'll probably be there too, but if I'm not, it'll be sitting right outside the door. Next morning's 97 degrees out, hottest day of the summer. I drive all the way in through traffic jams. I finally get there exactly when I said I would. I walk to the door, and he's not there, and the trolling pedal's not there. I'm going somewhere with this. This is irritating. But there's a real lesson in it. So I'm mad now. I was mad yesterday. And now I'm mad, and my brother is being pretty typical here. And so I text him. I go, hey, blah, blah, blah. He goes, oh, I'll be there in five. Ten minutes go by. He's not. He finally shows up. Now he can't find the pedal. He's clambering through his boats. I'm just getting mad. I really am. It's, it's stinking 90-some degrees out, and I'm just irritated. And... Finally, he goes, I can't find it, so I'll just unplug one of mine and give it to you. So he does, and he gives it to me, fish scales all over it, and and hands it to me, you know. And then he's, you know, and, and, and the whole time he's limping. He can barely get me out of the boat, and I said, say, uh, the Holy Spirit says to me, pray for his back. And I said, no. My name's Peter, by the way. I really kind of, I didn't voice the no, but inside I just thought, no, that, that's not going to happen. You know, why? Because I'm not feeling it. You know, I get here, the pad's playing, and the Holy Spirit's here, and we're all here. And, but I wasn't feeling it there. I'd feel nothing other than you jerk. And I knew that the way I was feeling, I couldn't be a conduit. I just thought, and, and meanwhile, you know, this is important. My mind, I didn't go through this, but I'm scrolling through this. Look, this kid messed me up yesterday. He was late yesterday. He didn't bring this stuff. I drove here. He wasn't here. This. I'm listing it all in my mind while I'm trying to argue with the Holy Spirit because I could feel that I, in my spirit that I was supposed to do this, but I didn't want to do it, and why not? And then I felt the Holy Spirit said this to me. He didn't verbalize it, but I just knew it as if he spoke it. He said this, you saw your brother limping yesterday when he came in to the office. It was your turn that day to pray for somebody like you said you were going to do every day, but you didn't even pay any attention at all. It even crossed your mind, but you just blew it out because you were mad and you wanted the trolling motor and you didn't pray for him. So I made him forget the pedal so you could have another chance. And the reason you're driving all over West Michigan is because you didn't do what you were supposed to do yesterday. And now I want you to pray for his back. 
And I just knew that this whole scenario was a result of my stubbornness and being unwilling and not feeling it. And so you know what I did? I repented, but I still wasn't feeling it. I repented legally. You know how you do that, God? Forgive me. I, I don't feel like I'm very... But I just knew that I needed to obey the Holy Spirit and that he was talking to me and I was dealing with reality. So I said to my brother, I said, how's back? He says, I threw it out really bad two days. He's a basketball ref and he had a practice. And he said, I threw it out bad. And he says, I, I'm just in agony. I just can't. I pulled something terrible. I, I says, well, I want to pray for your back, John. And he says, oh, I'll take it. And my brother and I are a bit distant. We love each other, but we just don't spend a lot of time together. And so this is very weird for brothers to do. Berg's my brothers. And I said, all right, well, I'm going to pray for you. And I laid hands on his back, and I said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I said, I ask you to touch my brother's back or release the healing power of the cross on my brother. Show him how much you love him. Touch him, heal his back in Jesus' name. Wasn't feeling it. But I knew that I was a minister of God's grace. I knew I had to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. My feelings were divorced from this. Then the verse crossed my mind, and I says to John, when I was done, I said, hey, John. I says, there was a story in the Bible about a guy having faith and just coming to Jesus. And Jesus says, go your way. Your needs are met. Your servant's healed when you get back home. And it says that servant, he went home, and he was healed the self-same hour. I says, don't be surprised if you're driving down the road, and all of a sudden you feel some heat or something because God's going to touch your back. So I just said that, wasn't feeling it. He said, thanks, I'll take it. And I turned to walk away with my little thing. He took two steps, and there was a loud chiropractic pop. And he went, oh. He did this, oh. Oh, my back just popped. And then he's going like this. That is amazing. I can't believe it. Oh, what the world. And God healed and touched his back, totally healed him on the spot. The reason I said this is we need to do something else. We can't be self-centered. We need to get up every day and pray, God, let me see a world. Let me see people. Not just on Sunday. Let me see them. And would you make me a catalyst for grace, not just a sponge who soaks it all in, but someone who reconciles and connects people to your grace. And I'm not going to go by my feelings because half the time my feelings are fickle and they can't be counted on at all. But your eternal word, third member of the Trinity, I can count on you. And when I hear you and I know it's you, I'm going to do it. And I tell you what, when you make up your mind every day and we do this, you're going to run into some scary situations outside the box, outside our comfort zone, outside our feelings, but I'm going to tell you what, your heart will beat like it's never beat before. It'll have the heartbeat of God. And you know what? We'll find ourselves ministers of his grace and becoming just like him in the process. And here's what's going to happen. That sin of self-centeredness or addiction or lust or fear or anger that used to plague you will be something that you feel is hindering this pathetic 
this new walk, and you won't want to have anything to do with it. You go, I got, I got no room for that. I'm, I'm on a new track now, led by the Holy Spirit every day, focusing on his needs, dying to self, finding a whole new way to live, a whole reason to live, and I haven't got time for that thing anymore. I'm not even focused on it. It's just like, I, I can't do that anymore. Rather than just getting in a ring and it's the only thing, you live in our own self-centered life and trying to punch out whatever the obstacles are. Walk in the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit every single day. We got to close, but push past fear. Next point, push past fear. What if this don't happen? What if it don't happen? What if I pray and make a complete fool of myself for somebody? It's not always healing. It might be a word. It might be just caring for someone. I remember feeling like that. I've been in crusade. I've been in crusade speaking for a sea of faces in a foreign country, even. And the same fear you feel in insecurity when you're getting ready to do something like that, you can feel when you're talking to one person on the floor of Cabela's last week with my son. Not last week, a couple weeks ago. I all swollen up one of the managers. He says, God wants to, I says, can I pray for you? First I thought, no, I'm not going to pray for him. Everybody's looking. And this is going to be weird. But, man, I, I know the Holy Spirit's telling me to pray for this man and pray for his eye. I go, come on, I'm trying to buy a crossbow bolt for my father-in-law. This is what I'm here for. But I thought, it nagged me. I thought, Doug, didn't you say you want to do this, all this? I, I, I go, yeah, I did, I did. He goes, pray for that man. So I stalked the guy around like a weirdo. <laughs> Waiting till he didn't have a customer. And I walked up to him, I said, Jim, I said, hey, Jim. I says, I'm a minister, and I see you have a swollen eye thing here and whatever. And I says, uh, I'd like to just, can I pray for you for a minute? He goes, well, yeah. I says, God sees you. He knows your name. He loves you. He wants to touch you. And he wants to let you know he sees in that this whole thing you're going through right here. He didn't put it on you, but he's allowing and using that to really draw your attention to your need, your desperate need that will hopefully point you to him. He says, can I pray with you? I laid hands on my 11-year-old son's watching, prayed for him. The guy turns into a sobbing mess, and we have a full-blown God moment, an altar moment in Cabela's by the crossbows. When we're done, the guy thanks me, walks away weeping. All the other employees are going, what the? And my 11-year-old son goes, Dad, that was awesome. <laughs> Sons need to see their fathers doing that and their moms doing it. But here's the thing. This church will explode. You're already a beautiful congregation. You're already doing very well. But I just want to challenge all of us, myself included, whether it was a crusade in India or one person on a street, the fear is the same. There was no difference. And I am telling you, push past your feelings. Push past fear. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Push past self-centeredness. And follow the Holy Spirit. And swing for the fence and leave the results to God. My son's a street preacher, Jonathan. I'll send out him help here to share his life message sometime. You'll love him. How God, his name of his message is God wants to kill you. 
and how God strips layer after layer from us until there's nothing but a raw man and a woman with the Holy Spirit that just wants to live that life. And it's the most awesome, awesome way to live. Leave the results to God. Swing for the fence. What if somebody don't get healed? What if somebody doesn't? Don't worry about it. I guarantee you the last dozen people I've prayed for, I know four that got a tremendous touch from God, people who've gotten healed. Some of them I don't know about. Some I didn't see anything happen. You want to know what? How many times do you get up at bat and swing for the fence? You don't get up and not get up and swing. There's a chance that you will hit the ball out of the park and something amazing will happen. Peter had a chance to walk on water. He's the only guy that I know of who ever did. But he had to get out of the boat and he was scared. But he thought, if Jesus is doing it, and later Jesus said, all the stuff I'm doing, you guys can do. He says, I want to try this. Can I do it? And Jesus says, come on. So today, church, let's leave here. Going, God, I want to be connected to you 24-7. I am going to pray every day. God, if you show me something to do and I know it, I'm going to do it. And it'll lead you outside your comfort zone. It'll lead us past self-centeredness. It'll lead us into a life of obedience and connection with the Holy Spirit that will make the sins and some of the things some of us struggle with become non-issues whatsoever. Because if we walk in the Spirit, we will not be gratifying or fulfilling the lust of the flesh in the old life. It will become a non-issue. And how many of us would love that? So today I... I want to pray over you. I'm not even going to, I'm not even giving an altar call today. You'll have to get saved next week. <laughs> that sounds bad, but you know what I'm talking about. I want to pray over you. I want to pray over us. Lord, as we sit in your presence and we close today, Lord, bring us to a new level. Bring this beautiful church, this community to a new level. Lord, revolutionize this town and this region through this church. Lord, help us to pray scary prayers. That Holy Spirit, if you show me what to do, I'll do it. I want to be connected to you 24-7. And Lord, teach us how to walk in your spirit. Teach us how to be ministers of your grace. God, if we don't do it, we'll never get any good at it. So Lord, give us the grace and the power. Every member of this church is a minister. Lord, to be ministers of your grace, catalysts for grace in our world of influence. And I believe the Holy Spirit saying, as you and I do this, our world of influence will grow immeasurably. You will not be able to handle what the Holy Spirit does. It'll be an overflow, the breaking of nets, the a massive influx as many, many, many lives are expanded by the work of the Holy Spirit through lives that are sold out to him. Lord, bless this church. Bless Ross, God, and all the leaders and every member here, God. We, our assets are yours. Our lives are yours. Take our lives and let them be consecrated, Lord, to you. Our moments, our days, let them flow with praise. Our silver, our gold, Lord, our love. Take our will and make it thine. It'll be no longer mine. Take our love, oh Lord. We pour at your feet. It's treasure stored. Take ourselves and we will be ever only all for thee we ask it we speak it over our lives in jesus name and everyone said amen amen amen, amen.